Please listen carefully. Well, hello, universe, and welcome to the Optimist Daily Update. I'm Christy Jansen. And I'm Summers McKay. And we are part of the team behind the Optimist Daily, making solutions news. We bring you reader-funded solutions news every day in order to change the tenor of news media, social media, and the direction of your day to help us all get focused on solutions. Seven days a week, we publish positive news stories written by award-winning journalists and delivered online to your inbox and through our social channels. And also, we are sharing these solutions in a commute-worthy, walk-worthy, home office-worthy, multi-generational-worthy podcast. Today is Friday, the 29th of April, 2022. Good morning, Christy. How are you today? Good morning, Summers. I'm I'm well. It was a, a good week. It was a, It's bright and sunny here today, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Excellent. How about you? How, how are you? I know you've been in the throes of moving. <laughs> I know. Going. I know. I mean, everyone who listens to the pod has to be so tired of my house drama at this point. But no, we have some good stuff coming. We, we actually have like a date where we're going to get our floors installed. So there's a chance that we'll be able to be home. My goal, my dream, I'm going to put this out there to the universe, is that I could be home for my daughter's third birthday, which is July 23rd. So yes, we're just putting it out there. So in two months time, hopefully we can complete all of our renovations and my family and everyone can come together for it. So that's my hope. I I know you're optimistic, (laughs) but I don't want you to like feel too bad if it doesn't quite get there. You know, the best, uh, you know, the best laid plans, right? (laughs) But we're, I, it, it is definitely, you know, I, I wrote about this on the Easter one and we're coming up on, you know, Mother's Day and it just seems like we just sort of keep ticking and time just keeps ticking away. But it has definitely the effect of losing our home due to a climate event, really, because there is no, this is a weather related event has been very traumatic. Well, it's disruptive and traumatic yeah. and yeah. and you have resources. Think yeah. about if you I know. if you didn't have the resources exactly. you have. Well, and I think about other members of my family. If you recall a couple of years ago, one of my cousins lost her home and yeah. all of her family property due to the fires in Santa Cruz and they are still not home and are in the process of rebuilding and re-envisioning in a completely different way. And it just, uh, yeah. it's affecting all of us. And, you know, it's a conversation that we are having. And I, I know you living in California and your family has a remote ranch that is at risk to fire sometimes. And mm-hmm. we're all just having these conversations and it's, um, you know, it's, we need to focus on solutions <laughs> and we need everybody we on do. board, everybody on board. We so. Well, or at least most enough of us on board yes. to make uh, substantial change. Yeah, and it and it will pay off. I mean, yes, there's the costs of change, but there's also the benefits and the opportunities mm-hmm. that are embedded in them. So, I guess we should probably move into today's the main event. I which know is we have I'm an very, interview. exactly. I know uh-huh. I'm feeling I'm feeling very nostalgic about our interview because it inspires me in a way to. Think about the just straightforward conversations I'm having with my parents and, you know, they're looking at their two-year-old granddaughter and and wanting the world to be better for her. So uh, we have a pretty interesting interview today. Christy, why don't you tell us about the organization that our guest Nadine Young comes from? We are very excited about this. We've written about 
Elders Climate Action on the Optimist Daily. We we had a feature on them a few weeks ago. And what they are is a national organization. This is Elders Climate Action. It's a national organization of elders who are working to mobilize American seniors to get engaged and take action on climate change. They are focused on building a legacy for their children, for future generations, for all living things, committed to leaving a healthy planet, which is really a remarkable thing because if you think about it, things we do today to change our socio-cultural approach to how we use resources won't really have much of an effect tomorrow, but rather 70 years from now, it'll make a much better world. So it's not it's not like the next 10 years, anything we do right now, it's not going to make a huge difference in the next 10 years. It'll make a huge difference down the line because these effects are cumulative. They have a really tremendous mission. They consider climate change, environmental and economic injustice, structural racism, all of these things to be products of a system that values profit and property over life. And the elders climate action is looking for an equitable reconstruction for all of it. ECA is active in many alliances with youth, with indigenous, with faith-based organizations, with scientists, academics, activists, frontline communities, news organizations like the Optimist Mm -hmm. Daily. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they've got chapters in 13 different states and regions, and they're all volunteers except for a paid director of operations. So that is the Elders Climate Alliance, ECA. You can find them at eldersclimateaction.org. And we have Nadine Young with us today, who's a wonderful representative from the ECA. Why don't you tell us about Nadine? I will. Okay, so Nadine's bio makes me smile. I love it because uh, first and foremost, when we logged in for this interview, um, we put our names in our little interview thing. And my name currently reads Needs a Shower Summers because life is messy. (laughs) That Nadine's bio, when I read it, just made me smile and feel comfortable with the messiness of life sometimes. So it reads, Nadine is a 70-something with messy white hair and Doc Martens who lives in Philadelphia. She's a retired international finance attorney and a grandmother to two little girls. A longtime climate activist, she leads the communication team at Elders Climate Action. Nadine, welcome to the Optimist Daily Update. How are you today? Thank you. I'm fine. It's a little cool in Philadelphia today. But thanks for having me, Summers and Christy. Um, This is exciting for us. Well, it's exciting for us too. And let's just get straight to the to the granddaughters. Tell us how old are they? That where in the world do they live? Well, uh, I have two of them. Everly is seven, and Renly is four. And they moved recently to Costa Rica with their oh. parents, of course. Been to visit them a couple of times. It's a wonderful place for them to live. And um, yeah, I'm. They, you know, part of their motivation is all of the conflict and issues that we're having in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And they wanted their daughters to have a, a happier childhood. Mm-hmm. A more peaceful one. So. Yeah. Well, so in your becoming a grandmother, you know, you are a longtime activist, but certainly they've played a part in recognizing your desire to help this world's live beyond our current lifetimes. Tell us a little bit about joining Elders Climate Action and how you became part of the organization and and what inspired you to participate. 
Right. Well, the the fundamental reasons I'd say are my granddaughters, of course. And, you know, there I take the longer view about what their adult lives will look like. As you were saying, a lot of this is going to unfold gradually over time. I'm also concerned with the short term for people of my age because the health threats, you know, affect elders right now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, many of us who are boomers will still be around in 20 years. And at that time, we'll be things will be worse and we will be more vulnerable. So elders right now are experiencing heat death uh, during some of the heat waves and it's terrible in the cities. Um, Air pollution kills more people than COVID has, uh, especially older people. Then you think about the wildfires and these weather catastrophes, like you had summers, um, and elderly people are less mobile. They can't readily be evacuated mm-hmm. when they need to be. Um, so it's dangerous now for elders. It's going to get worse um, as we become more vulnerable. So that's a big issue, though it was really my granddaughters that motivated me to decide I had to take action. And and it was a book, actually, uh, that I read. It was started as an article, uh, which then became a book by the same title called The Uninhabitable Earth. Oh, yes. I have it right here on my desk. <laughs> that is... I recommend it with a warning yeah, that it it's... is alarming. It is um, alarming. Uh, the author's David Wallace Wells. I read his article that, you know, was a precedent to the book. And it persuaded me that climate change threats are not remote. It's not about glaciers and rising sea levels. It's about food shortages Mm -hmm. and water shortages. And we will experience those here in the U.S. Uh, It will be. And we have been. We have been uh, experiencing them. I mean, if you if you think about it, the last couple of years, it's sort of a an indirect connection to climate change, but it is, and it's it, the encroachment of uh, human civilization on nature. And I mean, the the way that the vi- this pandemic came about is is definitely linked to that. And I mean, here in Santa Barbara, w- with uh, the fires that Summers referred to a couple of years ago, and then the mudslides that came right after that, we were isolated for for weeks. And there was some parts of this, of like Summerlin, they didn't have, they don't have a grocery store in Summerlin. So there were people fighting over sandwiches at the local gas station mart because they had to get food somehow, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. right in our backyards and some of them, mo- even, even, even in um, more affluent neighborhoods are, are experiencing this. And if you look at the, the folks who are living more in a, a more without those kind of resources, it's even worse. Yes. So drought. Um, drought. You know, oh, yes. Drought, drought. In, and in heat waves. Southwest, and, yeah. uh, means that, uh, you know, we can't grow the crops. We won't right. be able to grow the crops that we're accustomed to having. And at the same time, around the globe, there will be crop failures. So food prices rise and children go hungry around the world. Um, drought also means drinking water shortages. And Mm -hmm. we'll see in the Southwest when the water supply can't support the population, the poorest people will have to migrate. 
Within the United States, we will have climate refugees and that will create conflict. So food, water, and war mm-hmm. are, I think, the grave dangers that I worry about for my granddaughters mm-hmm. and for all of us. Well, in the description of the Elders Climate Action, you talk about the alliances with, let's just read the list again, youth, indigenous, and faith-based organizations, scientists, academics, and activists in frontline communities. What I love about that is we talked about you know, who's the demographic of the Optimist Daily? And like you, it's everybody. It is not politicized. It is not right or left, faith-based or non-faith-based. It is everybody who recognizes that we need to take collective action in order to chart a better path for tomorrow. Can you touch a little bit on collective versus individual action and what you guys at ECA do in order to galvanize groups. Right. So, uh, yeah, my favorite topic. Um, We at ECA, we don't believe that, for example, individual lifestyle changes are what's needed. Um, That's not activism. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the the things we all are doing now, um, Mm -hmm. turning off the lights when we leave the room or uh, eating less meat, that's that's insignificant for ending carbon emissions at the scale that we have to. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's important. We, of course, we all are trying to do those things. But as you do them, it's important to think about the bigger issues that lie behind those. So, for example, let's eat less meat is really about industrial agriculture and how much damage it does to the planet. So, yeah, eat less meat, but realize that the bigger issue that is going to require collective action is industrial agriculture mm-hmm. and, you know, the degradation of the, the soils, recycling plastics as we watch our bins fill up with plastics. Recycling isn't the point. The point is we need to stop making this stuff. Um, right. Right. So we urge collective, not individual action. And collective action doesn't just mean protests and marches. It means pressure campaigns. It means all of us together reaching out to our representatives in Congress or in state or local legislatures and sending them the same message all at once. That's how we make a difference. So um, there's something interesting that I like to talk about on the issue of collective action, and that's the 3.5% rule. Mm -hmm. Um, I just came across it recently, and it's um, a consensus among many sociologists who say that any movement, any national movement that engages at least 3.5% of its population will never fail to bring about the change they demand. So you think about Gandhi and you think about Dr. King. um, If 3.5% of the population of a country stands together on an issue, things will change. Elders alone, the boomer generation, elders over 65 are 16% of the U.S. population. So... We are the guys. It's a it's a yeah. huge population. It's not yeah. it's, it's not a silent generation. 
No, <laughs> we can make this happen. And I do not want to suggest that the young people <laughs> are not doing an amazing job. And uh, it's perplexing to me why more seniors aren't out there with them. Well, and let me, let's talk about that because talking about sort of these organized collective actions, which are it's organizations of individuals. It's not, I mean, and that's, that's the power is putting together all of those individual voices to do those pressure campaigns, whether it's on the political, the elected political officials or your local recycling center, right? But the power and the scale of the, the boomer generation, which is the biggest gen, they call boomers because you guys were part, you know, you're massive. It's a massive mm-hmm. generation. It's a baby boom. Um, so. And, uh, we're the pig moving through the boa constrictor. <laughs> right. So um, so that's an interesting question. Is what is the role of seniors, boomers, elders in the climate movement? And how can that 16%, I think is what you said, help to weigh the scales in a different direction? Well, right. So, yeah, um, there are a lot of us. We need to bring out our generation in big numbers. So we're 16% of the population. That's the folks over 65. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people in their 50s consider themselves elders or seniors or nearing retirement. There are 53 million people over age 65 in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Our generation holds considerable wealth Plenty of elders are not wealthy and, you know, are struggling. But AARP, um, you know, the Association of Retired People, reports that if American elders were their own country, it would be the the world's third largest economy. Hmm. We have money. And we, yeah. and that's some power, you know, at least donate, if not uh, hmm. get to work making change uh, in your community, use your put your money to use. We are the the largest U.S. voting block, and we vote. Politicians pay attention to what we want. We've got some free time. We've got some wisdom. Many of us have a sense of responsibility. So if we came out in large numbers, you know, it would transform everything. So how how is it going? <laughs> Tell me about like what do you think? How's it going in terms of uh, the, the elder yeah, population? I was kind of afraid you would ask. Um, <laughs> no, and I shouldn't say that. I, I mean, the people I work with at Elders Climate Action, you know, are so inspiring. And um, the, I'll give you my list for why we're optimistic. But but we're also, you know, we struggle to get the attention of folks our age and. It's understandable to me that at our age, as you get to be older, you sort of would like to take a break. You'd like Mm -hmm. to retire. You feel like you've done enough. You've raised your children. I think a lot of boomers are not climate deniers, but they just don't feel like changing their habits the way they've lived. But the fact is that our generation has gotten wealthy because of fossil fuels Mm -hmm. we have you know we've had a booming economy through our adult lives that has given us wealth that really is taken from the next generations to follow and the costs that young people will pay 
to remediate climate change will be staggering. So the kids know this. Uh, Elders need to, you know, kind of face this, I think. I'd also say that when you start thinking about climate change, it's so complex because it affects everything and it comes from everything we do. And you sort of feel like, I don't know where to begin. It's overwhelming. So I think I'll do nothing. Uh Uh-huh. And Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, that's something that I, I can really identify with. I mean, you talked about reading the uninhabitable earth. When you read that, it's, it's hard to then get out of bed. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? For a couple of days. But how do you, how do you get connected to your, to being an act, to being active in the world and actually feeling like, I mean, you're talking about how individual actions don't make a difference. It, you know, that's an approach you have, but that's not an, a reason to not do anything. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe. You know what I mean? And, and, and so how do you, how do you work on that with the people that you're engaging with in terms of mobilizing American seniors, like how do you overcome that, the inertia and that sense that, well, nothing I do is going to make a difference. So why can't I just enjoy my, my Mustang <laughs> or whatever that is that I, you know, whatever my, <laughs> my, my stake, you know, this, my stake in my palace that I live in, you know, like, how do you counter that? How do you connect to people? Right. Well, I, I, I would say, First of all, that to the extent that people feel like they don't have the expertise or the skills to get involved on any issue, climate change or anything else, it's not skills or expertise that we need. It's numbers. And so we do, you know, there are ways to help, even if you kind of don't feel you've mastered all the issues. Um, We at Elders Climate Action, we have and elders promote the vote. So we have, you know, groups of elders that are working to turn out uh, voters for the next elections coming up. We have special programs that you can get involved with to learn. But at a minimum, the thing that we all need to be doing is talking about climate change to everybody we encounter. You know, the grocery store clerk, the mailman, Three of four Americans say that they never hear anyone talking about climate change in their day-to-day lives. What are ways, Nadine, that people can, and how can you recommend people to bring up that conversation so that they, you know, it's preaching to the choir does no good. How do you invite people who are not previously open to that conversation into a conversation about climate change? Well, it's true. And you have different amounts of time available to you. You know, you, I think as you think about it, you have to have your elevator speech for when you just uh, are in the line at the supermarket and the person in front of you brings up the weather. Weather is always an easy segue mm-hmm. to talking about climate change and the fact that you're a grandmother and you're very concerned or mm-hmm. or you work in an industry, you know, um, that's impacted by climate change. So, and then there are the longer conversations sitting around with your neighbors where you really get a chance to talk about the things we've just been saying, like, you know, what are the threats? Why am I a climate activist? I, I introduce myself as a full-time climate activist to anyone I meet and that, and I wear my t-shirts, you know, that, (laughs) 
that are always climate messages and people always ask. Mm -hmm. um, and it gives me a chance, at least I'm addressing that problem of 75% of Americans saying they never hear anyone talking about uh -huh. it. I, I talk about it all the time. Well, it's interesting because I've been, I've been participating in something called Climate Conversations, um, which is sort of a brainchild of Margaret Klein-Solomon, who founded the climate mobilization. And uh, I'm really interested in, in the psychological impacts of climate change, sort of in the psychosocial mm -hmm. consequences. And I think one of the reasons people don't talk about it is that there's a lot of feelings that are hard to process and we don't like to talk about our feelings very much. And I'm wondering if that's a, a, a tactic or a technique because there's all the details and the facts and the, you can point to lots of different charts, but I, my experience is people kind of turn off when you just start rambling off numbers or mm -hmm. situations. And I'm, I'm wondering if Nadine, if that's something that you find and, as a as a person who has that wisdom of a life, is there a way that you can use that as a like a superpower to get to you know get yeah. into a, the inviting the storytelling process maybe or or the emotional connection? Yes, uh, and thank you for asking that question. I, the, it's a really important point that spouting statistics at people is. And, and alarmist, you know, data yeah. is, is just not going to help us. But um, nature, you know, most people share a love for nature in some form, whether it's butterflies or the woods near their house. Um, you know, talking about nature and talking about the grief that you feel mm -hmm. about what we're losing mm -hmm. Um you know, everyone, I think, can point to damage that they can see in their neighborhood, uh, whether it's just the harsher heat or um, the loss. You don't see butterflies anymore. When I was a kid, there were butterflies everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and that gives us grief. We, we at ECA always talk about how we're grieving for what what's yet to be lost, but what we know yeah. we will lose. But then... Acting on it is the best comfort for your grief. Right. Doing something about it is a balm, I think. Um, and yeah, it's important to talk about that. I'm so glad you brought up that sense of grief. And and I think that even, even things that you haven't lost, like thinking about not being able to live with some of the comforts that we have, is there's a grief around that. That's even some of the resistance maybe to making the kinds of changes that, that might be required to um, live in a better world for our, for our grandchildren, our children. And just another, just to talk about another kind of day-to-day -day conversation that you can have. So the area that we're focused on at the moment, what climate activists consider the highest priority for action, where we can accomplish the most in reducing emissions is in transportation. Mm -hmm. That accounts for about a third of the total U.S. emissions. And the technology is there to transform our transportation sector. We have electric vehicles, but children are riding diesel fueled school buses. Mm -hmm. It's an easy, it's, it's a no brainer that every school district be funded to buy 
electric Electric school buses so the children can ride in healthy buses. Um, And, and it's not just that, but the diesel, the emissions from the diesel affects you in, in your day to day. It makes the air quality much worse. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. And the noise quality, the noise of a diesel engine is nothing compared to it's like it's it's overwhelming. Well, <laughs> it, we're it, trying to yeah, trying to have a quiet school bus. I'm not sure is <laughs> I'm not sure even if it was electric, it'd be quiet. But you're absolutely right. That's a solution. That is a quick, easy not quick, easy, but it is a very effective solution. It's tangible that makes a difference for now. It makes a difference for those people who are here now, as well as those people who are going to be here in 70 years. And I like that, I like that. kind of tactical solution. Um, and those kinds of conversations. Ladies, as always, Christy, we could go on I know, for we conversations. Have to, we, have to close. We, we do. We do have to close. So two closing questions. Nadine, how do you want people to get involved with Elders Climate Action? How can they find you? What do you guys have going on? What initiatives are taking place right now that we can help you reach more people with? Well, so the best way to get started as an activist is is find an organization. It might be a national organization like Elders Climate Action, uh, eldersclimateaction.org. You know, go online and look. But there are there are plenty of local organizations that you might want to get involved with too. And local action is often more motivating and more it feels more immediate for people. So the school buses, mm-hmm. you know, influencing your local government to build more bike paths or have a bike share program, those sorts of things. So you can find an organization in your community if that's where you feel most comfortable starting and just go online or ask around and sign up and then show up. (laughs) We all have to start showing up and doing what we can, um, what addressing the thing that makes us most angry. (laughs) Uh Um, Yeah. I guess our final question, Summers, should we go? Yep. Should I take the final question? Okay. So we always end our, our interviews by asking our guests, what is it that's making them optimistic? We are the optimist daily after all. So are there any reasons for hope? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So 70% of Americans are concerned about climate change. So People are concerned. They just need to decide to do something about it. We're optimistic that the numbers are there. The youth climate movement and the rise of indigenous leaders and faith-based organizations coming into the movement, it's it's a wonderful thing. Their are technology advances every day. So, you know, the answers are appearing uh, almost as fast as we decide we need them. And we're no longer hearing all the false information or we're no longer falling for the false information from the fossil fuel industry about this isn't really a big problem or you can solve this problem by recycling. So Frontline, which is a PBS show, just has a new series on the power of big oil that is alarming, but it's Good that media is getting in on the, um, you know, the action. Mm -hmm. And I think taking action makes you more optimistic. So um, being with good people, working side by side with good people to make something better, it's 
the best thing you can do for your own health. At ECA, we have voting actions. There's an interesting new app called Climate Action Now. You can download it on your phone. It's only for phones. Mm -hmm. And it enables you to tweet and send emails just with clicking a button. It, it You register and it knows who your con Congress representatives are um, and it then it sets you up to send this tweet and so we you know tens of thousands of people are sending the same messages at ECA we're working on um, we have national calls every month health is our focus for April and May and and then of course there's collective action um, come out for marches there There'll be lots of them, I think, coming from the youth organizations this summer. This year is a critical year yes. for everything we care about. I think there was some marching on the in front of the White House today or, or this week. Um, there were Earth Day actions. Earth Day actions, yeah, yeah all, all week. All week, so. yeah. Um, well, collective action, the you know, multi-generational conversation is something that we love at The Optimist Daily, and we love creating ways for people to share with their children and their grandparents. Um, our biggest supporters on The Optimist Daily are grandparents, and well, we know we know some of our youngest listeners are as little as two, because my daughter has to listen to the show. So uh, Nadine, thank you so much for being here for this conversation. Thank you for what you do with Elders Climate Action. It's so important, and we are really, really grateful to have had you on the conversation today. Let's keep in touch. We will certainly continue to share what you guys are doing and cover it on the Optimist Daily Update, and hopefully you guys will... Um, Send us send us a few more press releases and we'll keep we'll keep pushing it out there because it's just amazing work. Thanks. It's been my pleasure. Yes. Thanks. Thanks, Nadine and Summers. And uh, I guess that's it for our show today, Summers. Yeah. So thanks, everybody, for listening to the Optimist Daily Update, sharing this moment with Nadine Young of Elder Climate Action and uh, us, Summers and me, Christy, here at the Optimist Daily. We are so happy to be here. And uh, we promise to keep sharing positive solution-based stories and connecting you with incredible organizations like the Elders Climate Action uh, to get ideas on how you can participate in the changing world and help ensure it's changed for the good. We promise to keep covering current events with accurate, legitimate sources and offering you the information we all need to chart new paths for all of us. If you haven't already, please consider becoming an emissary on the OptimistDaily.com. We are reader-funded, independent journalism, and your support means the world to us. You can also support us for free by sharing us on socials, forwarding a story to a friend, parent, grandparent, or grandchild, and make sure to leave <laughs> us a positive review for our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the Optimist Daily Update. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back on Monday with more solutions. <laughs> That's right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great weekend.